Um, this morning we're going to talk about there's no crying in baseball. And many of you remember that to be the line from um, the Tom Hanks slash every female actor of her day uh, in that movie, uh, A League of Their Own. But we're actually not going to talk about that movie because there's no redeeming qualities in that movie. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I'm sure there are. I just don't remember. Um, but what we're going to talk about is a very interesting thing that has come up recently, and I need to give a little hat tip to a guy named Nick Lannon, who is, uh, believe it or not, uh, you don't know that these exist, but he's a good, solid believer in Jesus who's also a priest in the Diocese of Newark, New Jersey. Uh, they do exist. They're like Swedish and uh, Buddhists in Sweden. You've heard of them. You've just never seen one. Uh, and so, But he's there, and he uh, led me to this little clip, and let me give you a little bit of background uh, the college Little League World Little League World Series has been going on. Uh, it's now over, and ESPN dedicates a lot of time to it. And so, if you've tried to jump on at any point, uh, well, depending on how you feel about Little League baseball, you might be elated. But most of us were like, "Come on, you know, next programming item." But something very ha- interesting happened this year, and I think this was in the semis or in the quarterfinals to get to this. No, this was it. This is the regional championship which sent them to, um, uh, to Williamsport. And it's Petaluma, California versus the Hawaiian team. And what happened is uh, Hawaii was down by a couple runs. And uh, I think they were down by, yeah, they're down seven to four. Uh, a kid, they got two ducks on the pond. Kid hits a double, scores those two runs, so seven to six with the Hawaiian kid on second base, the tying run on second base. Very exciting. It is the bottom of the last inning uh, with, at this point, uh, two outs. Very exciting. Uh, but something interesting happens. Something very interesting happens. It turns out that one of the kids who had scored didn't touch third base. And so let's let's watch the clip and see how it all unfolds. Fiftieth pitch coming from Andrew White, and it's in the left field for a base hit. The ground skips past the left fielder, and all the way to the fence. Hawaii's going to score two runs in the tie. It's a little bit wrong. <laughs> Just like that, it looked like a gloomy night. Got a tying run for Hawaii out at second base with two outs. Oliva and Chong do score. You got, hey. Did he miss her? You weren't looking? Did you think he did? Who, which one? Which one, the first guy or the second guy? No, not the first guy. Which one? The second guy? Okay, so the first thing you're going to do is you're going to step off, and you're going to, when he says play, you're going to step off, you're going to throw it to Cole, nice and easy, and you're going to say that the second runner missed the bag. 
Okay. No. Okay, let's go, guys. Hey, otherwise, settle. And as you heard from the Northern California manager, Eric Smith, they're going to appeal at third, saying that the second runner, Braden Chong, missed third base. We'll get a call from third base umpire, Stephen Bailey. Point. Okay. Before we go any further, let's let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for your word and um, for um, little things around us in our culture that um, uh, cry out to us and are so um, symbolic of what we struggle with as human beings. And so we pray that you would meet us now in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, what a jerk, uh, right? Uh, the the coach for Northern California. And uh, the question that has been running through my mind and Nick Landon's mind and a couple other folks' mind uh, is what, um, what would the graceful thing, what would have been the graceful thing to do? If you're the, if you're the coach uh, for Northern California, what would have been the graceful thing to do? Tell me, which, which, which your heart say? Y'all are cutthroat. Uh, <laughs> We have a lot of good Little League baseball coaches here in the Dean's class this morning. Um, but, you know, I mean, my... Um, um, right, to let them get away with it is not the real world, right? The world normally doesn't let us... But, but, I mean, your heart, you know, as a Christian, don't you think, well, gosh, I mean, he, he would have scored anyway had he touched the base, and, you know, they, they kind of... Gosh... Let us pray. <laughs> Go ahead. Did you see the play last night the Yankees game that had a rookie debut? Uh-uh. He was, his name was tied 9-9. Nine nine. He was rounding third and stepped over and missed the bag and he had to stop. And so all the Yankees the player did. Somebody intervened in the life of the Yankee. Yeah, okay. In your defense, I coach track. Uh-huh. They got a strict rule about the uniforms having to match on a relay thing, and the team ahead of us didn't match. And so I went to file a protest, and I was sitting there for a while. I was thinking, you know what? I'm either going to win it on the track, or I'm not going to win it. Huh. So I withdrew my protest. Okay. So I, I see where you're right. So I mean, but I mean, in some sense, it. The, but the world would have seen it as a grace. The world wouldn't do it. Beth said that the world wouldn't do it. Uh, but. But there's a sense in which letting the Hawaiian player get away with it would have been, in the world's eyes, an act of grace. Right? In the world's eyes, that's what the world sees as grace, is, is letting you get off the hook uh, for something that is clearly a violation. Uh, this hits very close to home to me uh, when I was playing. I remember this vividly, four years old, playing t-ball. And... Uh, for some reason, it became the thing like if you didn't get a home run every time you got up, 
you were awful. You were awful. And um, as I told you, I played high school baseball, and uh, it wasn't until, you know, I was well into it, and I thought, you know, I've got potential, and daggone it, I'm good enough. Um, when um, it was once described to me, Andrew, watching you run the bases is like watching you run with a parachute attached to your rear end. <laughs> and so, I mean, I learned this when I was four years old, the things that stick with you. Uh, that and t- if you did, So I um, got stepped up to the plate. I hit the ball as hard as I could. And I just, when I ran the bases, I missed the bases intentionally because I knew that I wouldn't make it all the way around. So I just skipped the bases. And when I got in, and I did touch home plate because that's, that's what really counts. Um, then, um, I mean, everybody on my team was like, really? But I was convinced, like, it, it really ought to count. It really ought to count. But the thing was is they didn't make me go back on base. They, they didn't tag me out. And I guess they thought, well, it's T-ball. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is, is I could have learned at four years old that, Andrew, lay it down. Just lay it down. Don't, don't play baseball anymore. <laughs> uh, don't waste the next 15 years of your life trying to do this. So, uh, well, here's the thing. And... Um, this, um, you know, the, if you listen to the announcer, uh, it says that they reached their victory, that is California, in the most controversial of circumstances, right? So there was a sense immediately after the game, uh, and I read a little bit on it, where people were like, this is not right. Uh, Hawaii should have had the right to play out the game. I know that it's the rule. I know that it's the rule, but, but come on. Uh, you know, anytime that we break the rules, we always feel like there's an exception as to why it's okay for us to break the rule. Um, one of the things that happens often here around at the Advent, and I'll go ahead and bring it up because it's a source uh, for some people, but I think it's kind of funny. Um, uh, a lot of people will park in our spots out here in the parking lot. And uh, Larry Gibson actually went out and let the air out of somebody's tire. And I think I think that's a little bit... I don't think that I'd want that because, you know, that kind of, defi- you know, the object I think is, don't you want to get the person out of your spot? And like, if you let the tire out, uh, but of course that's not the issue. The issue is, is you're in my spot and I, I want to catch you. So, um, and we used to have these orange stickers that you would have to take to some, I don't some auto place to get them to peel it off because it said, warning you're in violation. We've taken your license plate number down and we're going to tow you the next time you do this. Love the advent. And... <laughs> And, of course, we would never tell anyway, but we put a sticker on, and it was, it was the worst thing that we could possibly do. And so the dean, in his right mind, has said, you know, what we're going to do is if somebody parks in your spot, um, put a little, a, your business card under the windshield. And you might write them a little note saying, uh, this, this spot is reserved, and because you're parking here, I'm not able to attend to a pastoral emergency. Uh, <laughs> something along those lines. Um, but, and I hope I'm not picking on anyone here because you're not alone because I do this too. Um, if someone parks there and actually will come in and, and say to me, they will never ever say that they're in the right. They will, auto, like, I know that I'm not supposed to park there, um, but here's why it's okay for me to park there, right? I have uh, some sort of uh, emergency and, and whatever it is, and and I just kind of, not in my head, uh, but because eventually they do move and it's it's fine. But the the idea that I'm trying to convey is that in the world uh, everybody agrees that the kids should have touched third base. But the commentary following was, you know, even though that's the rule, this is one of those situations where we we should probably have, you know, the coach from California should have looked the other way. 
He should have looked the other way. Now, um, and a lot of Christians believe this. A lot of Christians believe that the gospel is simply about looking the other way. But uh, that is a great misconception that people have about Christianity, that they think that grace, the gospel, that is God's unconditional love for you and for me, that that involves setting aside, circumventing, or ignoring the rules. That means that, uh, that you simply set aside the law in a way that uh, it no longer counts. Now, in some sense, it doesn't, but in a very real sense, it does because the law has a function. And, you know, it, it was partly in my heart when I first saw this clip. You know, wouldn't it have been nice if the guy from California had simply set aside the law and had a little bit of grace for these Hawaiian kids and not won on what even I perceived as uh, a, excuse me, a technicality. Um, but though grace uh, does imply unmerited favor, grace carries with it the assumption of substitution, the game-changing fact that someone else has followed the rules in our stead. And so when we find ourselves in sin and shortcoming, uh, God doesn't look the other one and say, you know what, technicality. You know, it's, it's, not, it's really not that big a deal. Now, maybe if you had skipped all the bases, uh, you know, like Andrew did in T-ball, then maybe we can talk about it and that's not going to work. But, you know, just one little base and it, it, was, it was a mistake. Um, but the thing about the law is that it makes us aware of the need of the gospel, it makes us aware of our need for the gospel. And so um, there's a misconception amongst many Christians, especially those who tend to be gospel-oriented, that the law is terrible and awful and we need to totally get rid of it. When that's not true, that Paul, St. Paul, um, says that the law is good. Well, why is it good? It's good because it points out our need for redemption. Right? If you uh, don't know that you're breaking the rules or if you're not breaking the rules, then you don't need someone who is going to be willing to stand in your stead and someone who is going to be there uh, to redeem you. And so what happens is oftentimes, and this happens often with parents and children, um, is that they think, well, I'm just going to look the other way and allow them to live their life the way that they're living it, um, and I'm just not going to say anything. Now, I do understand the whole nature of a prophet is never honored in their hometown. That's very true, especially when you're trying to witness to someone um, who you're related to. Um, but also, I know none of you struggle with that, uh, but also the whole nature of um, you don't, you don't want to turn them off. You don't want to turn them off to, uh, to Jesus. But here's the thing. The law always repels. The law always repels, even when it's right and when it's true. That's why people make excuses as to why in this circumstance it's okay to miss third base or why it's okay to park in Andrew's parking spot. You know who you are. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm really the, if you're going to park in somebody's spot, park in mine. Park in mine. Um, don't park in Frank Limehouse's. Um, um, but the, the law is always going to repel, and that's, that's true of, of all of us, and especially when we, when we know that it's true. We don't like to hear the truth about ourselves, 
And uh, I'm going to, to tell a story on myself that involves my wife, but she's, she's a good guy in this one. A bird flew into our window. They fly into the windows all the time, and, you know, people give us very helpful hints. Like, oh, you should put up the bird shadows, but that just looks silly. So the birds run into the windows, and it's terrible, and it's my job in the house, living in a house full of girls, uh, to go, you know, and I'm a priest, so I go get the dead bird, and I say some words. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. I just, he becomes the property of the city of Birmingham very quickly. So... I go and get the bird. Well, it's not my favorite job in the world, and I did what I probably should not have done, and there were some folks coming over at night, and so I went out and I put the bird in a grocery bag, but I just left the grocery bag there. And it it wasn't there very long, um, but still everybody would walk by the front door and they'd see this Target bag sitting there wondering what's inside. And uh, Lauren rightfully was thinking, Andrew needs to get rid of that bag immediately. And yesterday, uh, before uh, I left to go to the football game in Tuscaloosa, I went out the front door, which I never do. I never go out the front door because the side door is so much easier. But I thought, you know, I'm going to go out the front door. I'll get the bird. And as I'm heading out the front door, Lauren said, oh, while you're going out that way, can you please get that bird up? And I turned around and said, why in the world do you think I'm going through this door? You know, what other reason would I have to go through this door? And I just stopped and I said, Andrew, you are an idiot. Right? Uh, you see, I mean, even what Lauren said, it was right, it was true, uh, and even I was attempting to fulfill it. I was attempting, and yet even the reminder of it made me explode. It made me crazy, and it's such a trivial little thing. Uh, but when the law does its work on our lives, any time that we're told something about, you know, um, how we are in need of improvement or how we need to get our act together, uh, or how we need to do this or to do that, um, we can't help but take offense to it. We're offended by it, which is why everybody was offended when, when the, the coach came out. They thought it was ridiculous. Uh, they thought, you know, uh, and, and it really took some guts for that coach to go out there and say, you know, he didn't touch third base, let's call him out, because, I mean, his name uh, is Mud, and, and those kids, I, I hope, you know, the poor kid who missed the base, golly, but, um, but I wonder what the, those kids who played for Hawaii, what they walked away thinking. You know, I hope that the coach said they just won on a technicality. Because if they said that, they would have gone through their whole lives thinking what? The game was ours. It was ours when, in fact, technically, even just, I mean, they, they definitely uh, lost uh, that game. So... The law has its function, its purpose is to show us our need for grace in the gospel. And there's a misconception that when we look away, when we look away and don't address the issues that are at hand, that we um, are applying the gospel, but really that has another word. That's called enablement. So even though you're putting it out there and saying, Andrew, you need to go get the bird, well, let's just take it in in spiritual terms and uh, somebody is doing something that they ought not to, and they are uh, mildly uh, unaware. For instance, um, I told this story this week in the Bible study uh, in, in my class. I did a mission to Plymouth, England once, and um, I was sent uh, by Michael Green, who some of you know. Michael Green is not a friend. Um, Michael Green is one of those guys who will convince you that you're made for this, and then you end up wearing like a full bunny suit on the, on the corner of the city street handing out uh, invitations to a... Uh, preaching thing. 
So Michael said, you know, I want you to meet. There's going to be about two dozen ladies. Uh, the youngest will be about 65, and the oldest is 95. And they, and it's just perfect for you, Andrew. Go have tea. They're breaking the china out. It's going to be very lovely, and you just need to answer their questions. And so I went, and there I am, a young seminarian, and I'm talking to these ladies and having a lovely time. And then we get to the part where we sit down, and out of the gate, out of the gate, the 65-year-old woman stands up, and she says, um, actually, we're all seated in a big circle, and she says, you know, Andrew, um, I'm dating somebody. And I thought, great. I said, that's, I, and I did. I said, good for you. And, um, and she said, and I'm a, I'm a widower. I'm a widow. And um, my husband's been dead for about five years. And I'm dating this nice man named Mark. That was his real name. Um, and I don't remember her name, but I do remember Mark. Uh, and um, she says, you know, um, we're dating, and I really like and enjoy his companionship, and uh, we're going to move in with one another, but we're not going to get married. And so uh, there I am looking at the 65, and all the, I noticed even the 95-year-old was looking at me very intently like, oh my gosh, all these women are in the same boat. They're all, you know, this is like she was just speaking for the rest of the group. <laughs> and I thought, move me to St. Martin's in the Pines immediately. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, so I'm, I'm hearing this, and um, and she continued to talk about this and that and the other, and that there were other issues at play that really were the real issues. But what struck me was she really didn't think that there was anything wrong um, with her just living with this guy. It was just she just sort of just jumped over it like it was nothing. Oh, by the way, and um, and was really not looking for any reaction. And you know, there was a part of me that that did want to say. You know, I'm going to let her pass by third base on this one. I'm, I'm going to, uh, she didn't touch, but I'm not going to say anything. But then uh, I think the Lord convicted me and said, you know, that's going to be a huge disservice to her and her relationship with this guy, Mark. And um, she's, she's really needs to go into this eyes wide open. And so I simply told her that, that I mean, it wasn't going to be good. And the relationship had a 90% chance of ending if they lived together um, uh, without being married. And we talked about that a little bit. And, and she clearly did not want to hear it from me. Um, but at the same time, because the, the vibe that she was giving to me was she just didn't think that there was anything wrong with it, um, that I had to be the agent of the law, which I hate. Now, my job, though, was simply to communicate that. My job was not to convince her or to conjole her that she needed to reform her life. I simply put it out there. Um, and I think that it did do its crushing work because she was not very happy. But it was clear that she was thinking about it. But for so many of us, when we hear things in our lives, um, for those who we're close to or not, we just simply let it slide and don't say anything. And really, that's called enablement. Uh, that's called enablement. Now, on the other side of that is the person who feels like they need to be the constant hammer of the law. It would have been like me telling the lady, you know, your relationship is going to have difficulties because the way that it's working itself out. And then I said, but you know what, I'd love to have your phone number. And then every day I called her and said, uh, I just want you to know that you're having a really bad relationship and it's inappropriate and you should stop it. And I did that every single day. Now, how helpful would that be? Uh, not at all. She'd probably disconnect her phone or put me on, you know, the do not call list or whatever. Well, England doesn't have any of that stuff, but... but Nonetheless, um, the other side of that is the simple, the constant hammering away. I've told you time and time again that I don't like it when you do this. Uh, I, I've told you time and time again, uh, when the person is under conviction, 
All that's going to do is to crush them. So what happens initially is there's an affront. Whoa, 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 I don't want to hear this. Uh, if the law continues, what you'll do is they will slowly die on the inside. You'll, you'll kill them uh, on the inside to the point where they will begin to avoid you. Uh, they simply won't tell you what's going on in their lives. These are indicators of this. And um, uh, you don't feel like uh, that you know them anymore because you and they are no longer a part uh, of one another's lives. Um, but it does have a purpose uh, in its initial sense. And Jesus talks about this. There are lots, you know, Nietzsche has really a lot of staying power uh, and he's been in pop culture a lot lately. Nietzsche obviously said, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. That which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And um, Kanye West, who I know all of you are listening to, uh, had, did a remix of a Daft Punk song and included that line in there. And then uh, Cl- Kelly Clarkson has a new song that says, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. And that's what the world thinks. But that's not what the Bible thinks. The Bible actually says, no, that which kills you is necessary in order to make you strong. It has to kill you. The law can't just hinder you. Uh, it's not just an issue of, of hindering uh, you along the way. It's an issue. Of, it has to kill you. It actually has to bring you to rock bottom, to a place where you can hear the gospel. And Jesus says this when he says, Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So there's the issue of what the law does is it has to kill us in order for us to become alive. We have to, like Jesus, die in order to be raised again from the dead. And allowing the law to do the work that it's purposed to do. And it's not our job to be the spiritual arm of the sheriff's department. It is our job, um, well, my job, I should say, uh, as a minister uh, that, you know, I preach both the law and the gospel. Right? That's my job. My, my job is to make all of you hate me. And then, um, uh, but then it's to say, um, but here's the forgiveness that is in Jesus Christ. So when recently someone did park in my, my parking spot, um, you know, even though they were giving lots of excuses, I could tell that they were really worried about our relationship. And I could tell that they knew that they had done wrong and, and that they were worried about that. And I didn't, um, you know, it's funny, uh, for some reason today, a lot of people, when you say you're sorry, they will say, oh, that's all right. Well, if it's all right, I I shouldn't have to apologize. Um, But uh, the lady said, um, yeah, I'm really sorry for doing this. And I said, gosh, um, you're forgiven. Right? I didn't say it's all right, because it wasn't, and I didn't say... um, you know, don't let it ever happen again. Or, or now, I, have, I heard someone say this the other day, you've been warned. <laughs> you've been warned. So it's not my job uh, to do the crushing. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Uh, because if I am the one who feels like uh, that, does, that needs to do the crushing, it's only going to bear out resentment in the life of the person being crushed. And what will happen is every Sunday or whenever it is, uh, that that person drives by my parking spot, they know that they don't want to park in it, but man, do they want to. <laughs> man, do they want to. Uh, because that um, is what happens uh, in the law. But in, in the culture that we live in, and especially with all that we're dealing with in our own lives and 
relationships. Uh, what do we do with a person that we love that doesn't seem to be getting it? Now, one of the hardest things that I had to learn in marriage is um, early on I would say, why can't my spouse change? But really the question I was asking was, uh, why can't my spouse be more like me? Right? That's really what I meant. That's really what I meant. And the law had to do its work on my life to make me see that. But if you are in a situation where something really bad is that object, you know, objectively bad uh, is happening or there is some sort of uh, issue that's happening, um, the one thing I would say is that if they're not under conviction, uh, that it is okay to bring it up. It's okay to say what you're doing is hurting me or what you're doing is, is injuring the relationship. But at that point, and this is the hardest part, you have to let the Holy Spirit take over. You have to allow God to do His work on that individual. Because if you keep at it, forget it. Forget it. And God will do that work. I think that this room is full, is full of people whose testimony is, is that God got a hold of you and um, you know, even though the law crushed you, uh, God in His mercy um, rescued you from the crushing and gave you a new life. Um, and that doesn't mean that we, we still don't, uh, it doesn't mean that we don't struggle in our relationships and even our, um, our relationship with God. I mean, uh, God is still uh, doing uh, a work in my life, uh, and it doesn't really take much to, the more sensitive you are to the law, I think the more converted you are. Um, that's not a really good theological thing for me to say, so just forget it immediately. But... Um, <laughs> But, I mean, it, the more conviction that you feel in your life, I think, is evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life. The moment you think, I've got it all under control and everything's great, is a moment that uh, you trip over third base and you fall into the opposing team's dugout. Um, so every day of my life, I know I'm cutting corners. I know I'm, I'm not quite touching third. And there are times, like the dead bird on the porch, where I think, I've touched third base. I've touched third base. But what God says is actually, uh, Andrew, no, no, you haven't um, because um, I know your heart and in your heart you skipped it. Outwardly, you've convinced everybody that you touched third base. But I know and you know you didn't. You totally skipped it. And yet, um, I'm going to pinch run for you. I've touched every single base for you so that uh, when you know that you've missed it, uh, you are not lost and crushed under the law, but in fact, uh, you live in the glorious nature of the gospel because it's, God has done it for you. God has done it for you. And so um, I just uh, have been thinking a lot about that recently because of uh, Little League Baseball, uh, but next week we're going to really get into it. We're going to talk about Randy Travis. And uh, we're actually going to have a stage performance of Randy Travis trying to buy cigarettes. I'm kidding. That's, that's, if you know how we bought cigarettes, that would be funny to you. Um, but um, we're going to talk about Randy Travis and God's office uh, next week. Questions? David Tanner, are you off? <sighs> he didn't ask me. Julie, here you go. Can you hand that dirt like you? Um, getting back to children's sports, I think what you're saying is the purpose of the law is to do something good, like to protect. That's why we have to have rules in children's sports. Well, as the mother of a child that played um, tennis, competitive tennis, which is the worst children's sport to be in because you're making your own lines calls. 
And my daughter was one time playing, it was on that soft court where Rubico, where you could see the lines, and she was a little bitty, and she was playing a girl four years older. And, you know, the girl was calling them out, and they were good, and they were out. And, of course, as a parent, you can't say anything or live it. And my, under the rules, you're allowed to question one time, are you sure? And then that's all. And so my daughter would go, are you sure? She'd go, mm, out, are you sure? So, you know, it was like David and Goliath, you know. And anyway, and so finally, about the fifth time that happened, I mean, it was just flagrantly in. And so my daughter, you know, little bitty, runs over there and goes, no, it was good. And she circles the mark, you know, in the ruby cup. Well, then <laughs> the mother of the opponent reports her to the tournament official who comes up to me and says, your daughter broke a rule. You're never supposed to cross onto the other side of the court. And I was, you know, of course, you can imagine how mad I was anyway because I felt like that girl, you know, you can see the marks. Anyway, so I said, well, um, she's making bad line calls. You know, I mean, I'm just saying this to the guy, not in front of the other mother. And he said, the rule is she can't cross the side of the court. And then he looked at me and he goes, it's like his face dropped. He goes, I know, and I feel sorry for her, but there's no way that that big girl is going to let your little girl beat her. And I'm sorry. And so what I, but as I began thinking about that later, I thought, okay, here's a rule to protect that's being misused. I mean, I mean, by being misused, it's not perpetuating a good thing. And maybe that's what you're objecting to about the little league thing is rules are there to protect, but there it was. No, I think it's a good, I think that it, it needed to be there for the third baseman. I, I agree with the call ultimately because the rule is still in place. And I guess, you know, certain rules, like if you look at the law, like certain things to protect children like, Putting hooks on cabinets, you know, like that. No, nobody ends up on the psychiatrist's couch when they're 30 saying, "My mom had these hooks on the cabinets, and it was just awful." Um, but but where they do end up on the on the couch when they're 30 is when um, when they say, um, "I was I was reminded over and over again about how I didn't measure up." So what I would say is, um, well, your daughter was clearly within the rules other than the jumping in the net and her trying to karate chop the other girl. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, sling and, you know, that ain't gonna happen. Um, yeah, <laughs> where she was clearly in the rules and her indignation was a righteous indignation. Uh, the law clearly hadn't done its work on the opponent and the opponent, I would hope, was living with the guilt of, I, I won that because I didn't touch third base. So the big girl is actually Hawaii in the story. So you, I thought you were saying that the California coach shouldn't have called the law. No, I said initially that was the initial cry oh, in my heart. But, oh, but, okay. But, but yeah, you can't cut oh, corners. Oh, okay. And the law has to be fulfilled in all of its righteousness. Jesus said that. And maybe what you're saying is ultimately winning and losing the game isn't the real winning and losing. I shouldn't have done a sports analogy. Um, <laughs> Jesus wins. Even, I mean, you lose, but he wins. And his victory is your victory. Mm -hmm. And so, because you realize that even if you, uh, first of all, you, nobody can play by the rules. You so, can only fake it. Right. So the important thing to tell my daughter is still obey the rules. You cannot cross the line and circle the mark. But all you can do is, and you can't control what the other opponent says, and all you can do is control right. your line calls and how you act. And right. That was and the there's always the parking broke. lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is falling apart quickly. <laughs> Anybody else? Okay. All right. Is this clear? I mean, I, I hope that it's not clear. Okay. All right. Well, let me just say real quickly then, in summation, the kid, 
the cry of our culture is what culture perceives to be grace is a letting up of the rules. Just look the other way. Don't say anything. And a lot in the church have bought into that. Right? We just don't say anything because that would be the graceful thing to do. But what the Bible says is that's not the graceful thing to do. It's called enablement. But what the Bible does say is that the law has a, has a function, and that's to crush us. And then we can hear the glorious message of the gospel. But you, still, you have to be called out at third base to be able to hear the message of the gospel. Right? You have to be crushed by the law before you can hear the message that Jesus died. You have to know you're a sinner before you have to be aware of, of the sin in your life before you can actually be saved from it. Right? You would say, I'm fine. What I'm doing, there's, and you'll hear that. Isn't my happiness the most important thing in the world? And, and what I'm doing is making me happy. And, um, and I really don't think that there's anything wrong with it. What you believe is outdated. Um, and uh, so be it. And yet... Um, the law n- never changes. And Jesus said that, that it had to be fulfilled in all righteousness. Like the law is still there, except there's finally, when we get to the point where we realize, you know, I've tried to keep the law, and I realize I'm not touching all the bases, uh, but there's one who has fulfilled it for us. And so I can live through life saying, you know what, you're right. Like your life's a mess and my life's a mess. And I'm telling you this, not coming from a place of self-righteousness, uh, but I know in the, miser- the misery that is my sin that um, knowing what I know now, I wish that somebody had rescued me from it earlier. I wish I'd been rescued earlier, but first I had to know that there was a problem in, in order to be saved from that problem. Dr. Little. true to say that the misconception that I grew up with and many of us did is that our problem is specific violations of the law rather than the fact that we do violate the law Mm -hmm. and those specific violations function to show us that there is something wrong with us deep inside Mm -hmm. that only Jesus has fixed. That's right. Yeah, it's not just the, the outward workings are the are the the fruit of an inward problem. So the problem is your condition and not not the actions. So even if you want to touch third base, it's never going to happen. It's always nice to have Walter Little here. He's a good clarifier. Oh, we've already heard from the Goyers. Um, this one time in racquetball? <laughs> I take it that this isn't limited to Little League, but it's been a problem for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just, it, it, I was hoping to use kind of a small example to show something, uh, something greater, but it generated a lot of controversy for Little League baseball. Um, so, all right, we, I've got to go. All right, let's, <laughs> let's pray. We'll talk about, we're going to unpack more of this next week with Randy Travis and how do we deal with Randy Travis's in our lives. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you um, for the truth that is your word. And Lord, even in our sinful condition that we can do no good, um, you love us even so. And Lord, when we cry out for mercy and for help, uh, you never question it. Um, You simply save us from ourselves and from the condition that we find ourselves in. And so, Lord, we pray this week uh, as we deal with Uh, the little leaguers in our lives. And Lord, the truth of the matter is that we're all trying to run the bases without touching them. 
uh, that we would have the message of the gospel seared on our hearts and that we might be bold to proclaim uh, your saving word uh, to um, really bad base runners. In Jesus' name, amen.